0: Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio.
1: Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Today, our guest is Michael Schwamm, a partner in the New York City offices of Dwayne Morris. Welcome, Michael.
0: Hi, Nicole. Great to be here.
1: Michael practices corporate M&A securities and technology law. He represents startups, venture-backed private and public companies, and his clients span a variety of industries. A five-time super lawyer in securities and corporate finance, he's been a Dwayne Morris since 2003. Michael, I've given our listeners some insight into your role and background. Can you expand on what I've said and give us a glimpse into who you are personally? Uh, I'd love
0: to, Nicole. I think one of the... uh, attributes that I have that distinguishes me from other folks is the two and a half years that I spent at a dot-com startup. And while that, you know, didn't necessarily end all that well, I think the experience of being on the client side makes uh, the way one practices law quite different.
1: So Michael, which of your personal strengths or habits has allowed you to be successful at developing business?
0: Good good question. I mean, I think there are probably, you know, three things that I could identify right off the top. Uh, I think first and foremost is responsiveness, um, Also, but also being prepared and being persistent without actually stalking a potential client.
1: I like that. So how would you define persistence?
0: I, I think, you know, constant and continued follow-up um, you know in a manner you know where you're providing them some value whether it's inviting them to an event that you think they might be of interest or providing them with you know information whether produced internally or externally that you think is relevant to, to their business that actually you know, that, that that goes beyond just restating what the law is and giving some you know practical pointers into into those areas that you know might you know, uh, you know, I hate to use the over overused phrase, but, you know, what keeps them up at night.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I have to say providing value and really providing counsel, a relationship where you're remembered or, or you're sought out business development requires tactical uh, best practices, but also strategic, a strategic plan. Do you have a formal strategy you employ or one that you look at each year and say, you know, this year, this will be my strategy for business development?
0: I think, I mean, I, I, yes, I have a strategy and I think I am constantly attempting to review and refine, you know, when I, you know, when the you know when the practice of law changed you know a number of years ago where you know lawyers all of a sudden had to become their own business development teams and and could not just sit back and wait for work to come to them i think everybody started casting a very wide net and you know would talk to everybody and anybody i think over the years i really have begun to you know to refine you know what what it is that i do well and where i think i can have value added and distinguish myself among you know, you know, among the crowd. And so I'm constantly trying to refine, you know, you know, where, where, where I can do that along with what in fact it is that I like to do. Um, I think, you know, you, 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 tend to, you tend to do it better if it's something in an, an area that you actually like to do. Um, whereas just, you think there are clients available?
1: So I, I have to absolutely agree. So I've talked to many lawyers who either speak or write or network What works for you? uh,
0: Networking, clearly. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think you have to, as part of your strategy, you have to pick what it is that you like to do and do well. And if you're not somebody who is good on panels or likes to write, then stay away from those. So I, I spend most of my time in the business development arena, networking events, although I also, you know, there are certain panels that I like to do, particularly those that involve, um, you know, companies, you know, preparing for, you know, preparing for an exit. Um, I think those can be a lot of fun if you have a good, you know, combination of panelists with you. But I say I probably spend, you know, in in business development terms, the vast majority of my time networking. I, you know, I think it's, it's, it's also partly a function of the, you know, the space in which I play, which is the, which is the middle market, and that is a heavily relationship-driven arena. And um, you know, someone once said to me, you know, people, you know, all things being equal, people like to do business with they like, and all things not being equal, people like to do business with people they like. So I think you first and foremost have to develop that that relationship and trust, and it's and it's a long term. Sell. It's not like, you, you know, you walk in and the next day, you say, send me business.
1: That's an interesting point. I, uh, that is one of my go-to phrases, you know, that all things being equal, people want to do business with people they know and people they like, right? And so I think that is, it's, it's a it's a very important factor, right? I don't think in many cases relationships will trump you know, a solid business argument, but you know, if things are equal or close to equal, they absolutely will. Um, Many of our listeners are not comfortable with networking. That's, we've heard that from many of the associates we've worked with, new partners, and even seasoned partners, that that is their least favorite part of business development. Are there things that you do that have have made it more comfortable for you or say if someone who is not comfortable has asked you about networking what kind of guidance have you given them about a way that could make it more comfortable
0: so i sort of view myself as the poster child for for this because i hated it i mean i you know i just you know was really uncomfortable walking into a room where i didn't know people found found it very difficult to sort of engage in a conversation where, you, you know, walking into a room with people already talking. So it's actually something that you can learn and teach yourself to do. I, I think there are a couple of ways that make it a whole lot easier. I mean, the, you know, first and foremost is, you know, sort of find an organization that you think has potential for you and, you know, start showing up continually to those. I mean, you can't go once a year, you know, you, you go once a month or, you know, however, however frequently they have them. And so you start to see the same people. Um, I think, you know, something that helps immensely as well is, you know, don't network alone. I mean, you know, find a, you know, f- find a workspace, as we call it, um, and start and start networking together. I mean, I think it helps on a lot of fronts. One, you know, there's always someone there to talk to, so, to, so you're not the person standing in the corner looking at their, you know, their iPhone or Blackberry. Um, but it also makes it more comfortable because you have someone, you know, to chat with and if, if two people are chatting, someone's gonna come over. Um and I think also, you know, and thirdly and probably most importantly, it's a lot easier to sell your firm and your services when it looks like there's some depth and you're not there by yourself. So my advice is to anyone is always to, you know, been whether you're comfortable or not, you know, find out you know, find a networking buddy. But you know, you can you can yeah, but but you can and you and you can really teach yourself, you can force yourself to become you know, good at networking. It's actually not that difficult. (laughs) It just takes time.
1: I think that's a great point about really showing up. You've got to be there. And that point of, you know, regular attendance, it does allow you to meet others. Of course, I know that you're involved in organizations. Has that been something you did? You know, was that an intentional thing to get involved so that that would also make that networking, networking easy? Or did that come because you were there and, and they saw that you were there and invited you to be uh, part of an organization.
0: You know it was, you know, the, you know, the one organization that I've been very involved with, which is, which is the association for corporate growth was an initiative that the firm had sort of started across the country, but we had no one active in, in the New York chapter. So, you know, I was encouraged to, you know, quote check it out and see if it was something I thought was, was helpful. And, this, that was actually the organization sort of forced me into becoming a better networker, and I will say I learned the hard way because you know I joined. I think I went to in the first year I went to one meeting, and you know so I made the conscious decision. Listen, either I have to go to these things or or not. And I actually went to one, and you know I happened to walk in, you know. With a board member who said, "Oh, I haven't seen you before. You know, have you been to an events?" And I said, "Well, you know, not really." And so he actually, you know, walked me around, and introduced me to people, um, you know, and so I had a number of conversations, which made the next time I went, which was a month later, that much easier because I knew all these people. But I mean, I quickly identified it as you know an organization where the people in attendance were the people who you know I wanted to get to know because either they were you know potential clients or more well, equally, or maybe even more importantly, you know, potential, you know, strong referral sources, to clients, because you need both. But you know, you need both the uh, the folks, you know, who can be clients, but you know, you, you have to have a robust pipeline. So you actually need the people who can introduce you the people who will become clients
1: excellent conversation on how to actually engage and start finding clients talking with clients obviously in any business development process you know that is a, a an important stage and then the next stage is really educating those potential clients or current clients on your services. And then the next stage after that, of course, is getting them to agree to work with you and then contracting any hints from your uh, experience specific to the second step on educating them to your organization and possible reasons they should work with you versus a a firm, another firm, a different firm.
0: Yes. I mean, and I think there are a couple, I mean, you know, the first is, you have to understand, you know, their needs and and anticipate their future needs and, you know, back to the, you know, sort of the what, you know, what keeps them up at night. And, you know, if you're walking into that first meeting that you were you able to get with them and you're asking them that question then, you know, it, it's a little difficult, you know, to give them the, the answers that you should be giving them because you may have not spoken to your colleagues. Because, you know, I mean, if I'm walking into one of these meetings, you know, what may come up is an employment, you know, law question. And it would be like, you know, oh, I, you know, have I had I only thought about that? I, you know, I could have brought an employment lawyer. So I think, you know, before you get that sort of, quote, first meeting, you um, I like to spend enough time with these people in a more of a social slash networking environment and, and, and sort of prod gently in terms of, you know, what, you know, what they're doing, you know, what issues have come up. And so when you have the f- sort of the first formal, you know, pitch meeting, you can be really well prepared. Plus, you know, we, you know, we have a great marketing team here. So, you know, we get a, you know lots of research done on the, on the potential client before you even go see them and, um, so we, you know we sort of you know we know what litigation they've been involved in, we know what kind of deals they've done so we can get some general idea. Um, and you know, I, I think that it's also you know you can you can ask them these questions. you know if you know we'd love to come out and talk to you, you know, what areas are, are you know are you most concerned about because we'd love to bring you know the right people to be able to address your questions. I mean, don't don't you know, I never do a pitch you know, a phone pitch by myself. I'm always bringing, you know, one or two or sometimes three or four other colleagues because they have a whole range um, of services. And I'm sort of a big believer in trying to, you know, sell, you know, an entire suite of services, you know, having been at a variety of firms and in-house, I think, you know, clients are very well served when they consolidate their legal services within one firm because there's a whole, whole lot more collaboration that goes on that way.
1: Great. So I think you you hit on a few points there. One is, you know, obviously talking to the potential client you're going to go in and, and pitch work to about what their needs are right? And getting that defined prior to the meeting so you can come well prepared with the right team. If you wouldn't mind, the structure of those pitch meetings, are those mostly providing examples, really highlighting differentiators, really more getting to know the quality of the staff you're bringing? I mean, what has been, you know, a, an approach that's been successful for you in in the actual meeting?
0: It really varies because, I mean, a, a lot will depend upon the scope of the pitch, right? if if If, if we're being you know, asked, you know, to assist in a, you know, in, with respect to a specific transaction. I mean, you know, the most, one of the most recent pitches I did, you know, where I was introduced by their accountant, you know, they were contemplating a sale of the company. So, you know, they wanted, you know, a, you know, a lawyer with deep MA experience who also, you know, understood technology and healthcare IT. I mean, knowing that, you know, I, you know, I brought one of my healthcare, you know, transaction partners with me. If it's sort of a wider pitch, you know, you know, unfortunately one that we didn't get, but, you know, a company that was looking for a general, you know, looking for an outside general counsel, you know, you know, I made sure that I had, you know, those areas of expertise that that was, you know, that we thought was important to them. Now, you know, I mean, and this is, you know, I mean, you know, failures are are often as good learning experiences as successes. The reason we didn't get it is the two things that were most important to them were, you know, great depth in consumer finance laws and, you know, lawyers within the firm with, you know, Partners who have deep connections, you know, with, you know, high ranking, you know, military understood chain of command, because it was, a you know, a business that involved, you know, selling, you know, to military personnel. You know, and they wound up picking a firm that was really strong in both of those. And, though you know, those happen to be two of the things that are not our strength. So, I mean, you know, I think part of this is, you know. I mean, you know, being realistic in your expectations and, you know, if you really don't match up to what they need, it's probably a waste of their time and your time. Um, but, you know, that was sort of somewhat of a digression. I mean, I think, you know, I think part of that, part of the, and it's one thing that lawyers don't do particularly well because we all like to talk so much is, 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 let, is let the client or potential client do most of the talking because you learn a whole lot more by listening than you do by talking to them.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting because my thought was, Obviously, if you're saying, you know, what is important to you in the selection of counsel, and if they had said those two things, you would know right away, you're likely not going to be able to uh, meet their needs or differentiate yourself in those two areas, but it's also very difficult for for many to walk away without giving it a, you know, a, a stab in the dark or, you know, trying to secure that business. Um, you know, I always talk to folks about the opportunity cost of actually pursuing something where you're likely not going to get it.
0: Yeah. No, and, and you know, I have a friend of mine who has a great, you know, a great phrase, ROE, return on effort. Uh, which is which? Is essentially, the opportunity cost. And I mean, you really need to focus in on you know what has the greatest potential of return. I mean, that has sort of also forced me to sort of narrow, you know, narrow the focus and not do the shotgun approach to trying to get clients and just say, yeah, I mean, I'll take anything from anybody, you know, no matter how big, no or small, because it's a client. But you know, to spend you know fifteen hours pitching a client for where you get a thousand dollars worth of work is just not doesn't make any doesn't make any sense.
1: There you go. So let's chat about a success story in your career. Was there an, a client or a project that you felt, wow, that was the right way to obtain that, that new business?
0: Um, there've been a couple, but I, you know, the, 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 my, my poster child for this one is, you know, there was a, a client we had, um, we had rep- my colleague had represented the principals doing their estate planning, you know, for a number of years. And then at one point there was a little bit of, you know, a little bit of corporate work that they needed done. So they, you know, asked him and he, you know, recommended, recommended that, that, you know, I help them. And in the, the you know, in the course of helping on, on this one little piece, you know, You know, it's always a problem when you bring a lawyer. And we, you know, we started overturning, you know, turning over rocks and discovering all these things that, you know, were badly documented or not properly done. So, you know, their legal bills started to increase and increase and increase. I mean, and this is is not even the success story part of it, but it's it's, it's sort of the necessary background. Um, You know, they then got to a point where, you know, they decided the time was right to sell the company. And they were selling the company to a... A European Scandinavian buyer um, who had never done a deal in, in the U.S. And, and and they you know went out and, and you know hired a you know very well known reputable firm to represent them, um, but it was clear during sort of the course of negotiations, and we had a you know uncommon you know these days we had we had a, actually a couple of sort of face to face meetings with you know clients and lawyers all in the same room. Um, that there was some degree of friction between the client and the lawyer and and the lawyer on the other side you know said some things during the meetings that you know everybody's you know eyeballs you know almost popped out of their head because they were sort of in you know in inappropriate but um you know the the transaction closed you know, they bought our client and the next day, the, you know, the newly appointed president called us up and asked us, you know, if we would continue to represent, you know, their company in the United States. Because, you know, they really thought that we had handled ourselves, you know, very, very professionally in the process and, you know, were fair and, you know, you know, understood both clients' needs and were there to get the deal done, not to take every single dollar off the table for, you know, either side. So you know, I think you know it sort of demonstrates you know you actually can you know you know you you can you can do a you can be a you know a decent person you know act you know fully represent your client but you know also you know not be a jerk, which the other guy turned out to be. Yeah, yeah.
1: Very interesting. It goes to that whole point of you know doing good work, which is the way lawyers have primarily been able to you know create or develop new business by doing strong work. But also, I mean, what a great point just being you know a a good person a, a fair person you know handling your, yourself professionally and really you know trying to be fair in the business side of it the business dealings
0: it's one of the reasons that i you know prefer to be a corporate lawyer than an alligator. i mean in in a in a you know in a corporate transaction you know hopefully everybody wins and if you know if it's a if it's a situation where you know one side is trying to take every single dollar off the table um, things often end badly, and post-transition is more difficult because you get no cooperation from the buyer or you know or, or seller, depending which side you're on. Which is often vital. I mean, you know, there are you know even if it's not in not in the agreement, there are often situations where you're going to need something from the other side, and you don't get it if you know they feel that like you took advantage of them.
1: We talked about the market changing, and that. There's been where business used to come in primarily through referrals. There was more of a consistent flow. Obviously the environments change, there's new competitors, there's new ways of pricing legal services, there's legal services versus, you know, actual, the actual practice of law. What in your opinion has changed from a business development perspective, uh, based on these changing conditions?
0: everything. Um, I mean, it, it. you know, yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, the, I mean, the, the, the way you get, I mean, the way you get business, the way you deliver services, the, 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 the method that you compete for business being, I mean, you know, has all changed. And I think, you know, it, it creates a premium on developing the relationship. I mean, it, it you know, the, at one of our monthly, or I'm sorry, uh, you know, semi-annual partners meetings, you know, we had a, you know, a legal consultant come in and talk to us. And, I, you know, I thought one of the most interesting statistics that they presented was the amount of legal spend relative to the number of different practice areas that one represents. And it's not linear. You know, it was, you know, a, you know, that's the, you know, you know, um. Uh, the the percentage by which it increased as you as more people in the firm were working with it went up uh, log log logarithmically log um and, and i think what it means is you you know it you know in another you know in in i went to a sales and marketing presentation unrelated to law um you know what you really want to do is get to that level of you know the trusted advisor, so they come to you for everything. I mean, and and they're coming to you for for, for you know for legal advice, business advice. I mean, you know, advice across the board. And so, so that's sort of the. I mean, it's become you know really paramount to get to that, you know, that level. With them, because otherwise, you know, you're ripe to be picked off by somebody else who says, "Yeah, I can do." You know, they're doing your employment law. We can do it. You know, we can do it better and cheaper. Um, you know, you know, and then another firm will pick off your IP work, and you know, and some you know non-legal service provider will pick up their contract management through software. Um, it's really easy to pick off one thing at a time, but if you are integrated into them and they view you as really a de facto member of the management team. Uh, you know, they don't want to do that because they realize, you know, the value they're getting, you know, is is greater than the sum of the parts.
1: That is a great uh, area to talk further about. So I'm, I'm a firm believer that you need to take an interest in your client's business and learn about it and become knowledgeable, become a resource beyond you know, just the delivery of the work that they've asked you to do. You know how Michael would you do that? How would you get involved with your client at a different level? What would that look like more tactically?
0: You have to get to the stage where the client is not afraid to pick up the phone and call you because they think you're they're going to you're, you're going to get get a bill. So I will never bill clients for, you know, you know, you know, point one, you know, you know, lawyers bill in six minute increments usually. So you know, or you know, whatever it is. So I'll never bill a client for a point one, point two, point three phone call, because the last thing I want them to do is they go, I can't call Michael because I'm going to get a bill. And you know, if they don't call you, they ask you these, you know, innocuous little questions, you know, or things that are sort of, you know, you know, you know, bubbling up within the organization but not it ripe for. You know, legal discussion. You want to know what's going on. Um, if you don't know what's going on, you can't be proactive to help them. If you're not proactive to help them, they never, you know, learn to trust you more. Um, and then you're sort of back to square one. So, you know, you have to, be in, you have to spend time with your clients, whether on the phone or in person, um, and you, you need to encourage them, you know, to call you you know, whenever they have, you know, any question, you know, no matter how small.
1: So great lead into our next and and what is our last formal question. Many of our listeners are millennial, mobile and global. And, you know, Michael, you're an approachable person. So I'm sure a lot of folks starting out come to you and say, you know, how do you develop business or what would you recommend? You know, what is your recommendation to those that are looking to really uh, start this part of their career and develop business?
0: You know, it's never too early to start. I mean, the people, you know, the people who you know today, I mean, while today they're not going to be the people hiring, you know, lawyers and and making decisions about legal services, you know, one thing's for sure, at some point in the future, they will be. And so, you know, whether they are, you know, your friends from high school, you know, your college roommate, you know, even your law school roommate at another law firm. And, the, you know, the likelihood, you know, that that person's going to stay at a law firm and be a competitor of yours, you know, 10 years from now, is probably, you know, pretty slam. And so, you know, you should never dismiss somebody, you know, as an invaluable resource. Now, some people probably, you can tell just based on the personality, will rise faster than others. But, you know, I mean, Stay in contact with those people. One you know, one of my, you know, best clients was my, you know, my law school roommate. Um, he actually, you know, he you know spent two years practicing law and then came sle- came and slept on my floor for six months while he looked for an investment banking job. Um, and he now runs a hedge fund. You want to start building, you know, your network now. You know, you want a diverse network, you don't want to all be lawyers. I mean, you want lawyers, you want accountants, you want general counsels in in, you know, in, in companies, you know, who, who you know who start at as you know, you know the assistant, you know general counsel, you know investment bankers. I mean, you you want a you want a wide and diverse um, network because you never know, you know, when you're going to need someone who does, you know, you know where you or a client, you know, has a need.
1: Excellent. Excellent advice. And, and of course, it's not only those relationships, but it's the relationships of the people that you're staying in contact with. That can be a tremendous help as, as time goes on. Michael, it's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Left Foot. Anything you'd like to share before we say goodbye?
0: Uh, I want to thank you for having me. It was been a lot of fun. General advice, you know, I, I said it before, but I'm going to say it again because I think it's the most important thing: is is find the medium that you think works best for you, but try them all out first. Don't immediately dismiss. I don't like doing this, so I don't doing like that. I mean, you know, try them and find the one that ultimately, you know, work. You'll be able to transition and develop the skill for any one of them. But if there's one, ultimately, you'll find one that you feel most comfortable with, that's paying the highest dividends, and that's the one you should pursue. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot.